friends, we are back with another episode of Bradeshwar Diaries, documenting the journey and dilemmas of a millennial parent. This is brought to you by iCafe Podcast, born with the collaboration of Tell Me Your Story and Zero Hour Entertainment. I am Koral Das Gupta, your host, and I look forward to an episode which must give me a lot of pleasure and you a lot of information. Today, I am with Dr. Shantanu Sen. Shantanu is the pediatric hematologist and oncologist at Kokila Ben Dhirubhai Ammani Hospital. And we are here to discuss how Corona has impacted our lives and how it is expected to impact our lives more in terms of pediatric medicine. So welcome to the show, Shantanu. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to speak to you and it's a pleasure to speak to all your listeners out there. Please, please tell me, how can I help you all? Thank you so much. It's a pleasure talking to you as well. And as you know that right now we all are mentally more affected than anything else. So I will <laughs> put across the questions one by one. The first question that comes to me is most uh, unnerving thing that how has children healthcare been affected or would be affected more in future given this disruption caused by Corona? What do you think? You know, it's a really a good question. And if I'm being absolutely frank, I think uh, the first thing to say is that possibly the whole epidemic, the pandemic of coronavirus has probably taken all of us by surprise. Today, we are in the middle of April. And if you just put your minds back about three months when we started this new year in early January, I don't think any of us had ever foreseen that all of our lives would be changing so much. Yeah. And specifically for children, has children's healthcare been affected? Yes, of course it has. And we are learning. We still are in a process of learning how we can continue to work, how we'll continue to develop services, how we'll continue to provide healthcare for mm. all the children. So many things we have done. I mean, we are finding a uh, newer ways to work. We are finding newer ways to provide services. And I'm sure we will be talking about telemedicine. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, that's how we all are finding that that could be a very effective way to actually reach out to our patients, to our parents, and try and see whether a visit to your pediatrician or to your other doctors is necessary or can a equally good service be provided without mm -hmm. actually having to come to your doctor's premises, be it your GP's chamber or the hospital consultant? That's the way we all would have to work as I see it. Uh, what does the future hold is more difficult to say. I know we are at that stage where the lockdown is gradually going to get lifted a little bit. But quite possibly, quite possibly, we might have to again lock down at some point in the future if the whole extent of the disease doesn't abate soon enough. It means that we'd have to find again other ways to carry on working. Quite difficult for all of us in this whole field right now. Okay. So, uh, you know, what about the vaccinations? I mean, right now, there would be a lot of newborn children. Uh, what about their vaccination or other important consultations who would need to approach the doctors and all those non-negotiable stuff that they must go to the hospital for? 
how Absolutely. are those being handled to be honest we are also very very honestly learning and feeling our way around it when the lockdown initially started and we are just about in the fourth week initially we said you know what we really need to stop patients coming into the hospital completely and very honestly for the first 7 days or 8 days did that we just kind of discouraged everybody to come and then we also sat down and we realized that not each and every visit can be stopped or deferred Hmm. So if you're talking about vaccinations, what we all have decided, or at least what we as pediatricians have decided, that there are some vaccines which really cannot be de- cannot be delayed, and these are the what we call the primary vaccination schedule that's p- given to newborn children. You know the vaccine that's given at birth, and then again at one and a half, two and a half, and three and a half months. So this is the primary schedule which actually. starts the entire process of building up a child's immunity mm. so even though in the initial phase we said you know what let's see if we can lead by a week or two we all come to realize that it's not a question of delaying a vaccine by a week or two because this virus the coronavirus is going to be somehow affecting our life for a longer term than that So what we have come to a very pragmatic decision is that the primary schedule till 1 year of age would go on as usual with a lot of precautions and, and so basically which means that almost all of our clinics has been set up in such a way that we are maintaining even that social distancing as much as we can in our clinical chambers in our outdoors and we try to talk to our parents before to make sure they know that they have to come in wear wear masks and again we try to minimize the time they spend either in the outpatients or in our chambers and then do the vaccination and then go out uh the same thing for other uh, urgent medical needs we mm. try to delay if possible we try to kind of see whether we can provide the same service using a telephone using a video conferencing but where we feel that this is a patient that needs to be seen because obviously you and i both know that sometimes nothing can take the take the place of actually sitting down in front and for a doctor to examine mm. a patient so if you feel that's what's needed then yes we call the patients in we have to do that in case a parent needs to take a child to a hospital god forbid should he be worried if the same hospital is also treating corona patients that's a good question and uh, i i can understand the concern that a parent would have to be very honest i mean one side you have the parent having the concerns they have to take a child to a hospital and if they learn that the same hospital are treating corona virus patients it would really 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 worry them Mm-hmm. what i can say is that uh, the government has already started the process of designating certain hospitals as specific hospitals which would go on to treat almost exclusively at the first such hospital as you know is seven hills hospital in andheri east which is mm-hmm. a hospital that has been designated to treat only coronavirus patients mm-hmm. now there are hospitals that are coming up in a very specific way in that way which will treat covid patients 
possibly Nanavati Hospital closer to uh, Senaderi would be one more. And what's happening is that as we see the number of cases increasing, uh, I hope they don't, I really hope they don't, but should that and when it happens, these hospitals, which are specific, will take up the majority of patients and possibly they would be asked to not to see other patients in them, which would mean very good isolation. Mm-hmm. At this moment in time, that's still not happening. We still have hospitals which are specifically seeing and treating coronavirus patients, but seeing other cases. The hospital I work in, Kokolab in Ambani Hospital, is one such. Mm-hmm. And yes, we we do have a specific ward, a specific ICU to to treat to uh, treat COVID patients, coronavirus patients. But that has got very high degrees of isolation measures. In fact, possibly entering that is more secure than any other unit anywhere in the hospital. So the chances of having a cross infection is fairly minimal. Mm-hmm. In fact, even if you were to go to a hospital, there's a so much of isolation and so much of security that has been put in place so it's no longer is it that you can just walk in, into a hospital. So, for example, if you were to go to Coquilabin tomorrow or Monday morning, mm-hmm. you'd find that security would be stopping you. Somebody would be taking the temperature of each and every visitor. They would have to go through a verbal questionnaire to try and find out whether they are at risk or whether they have been exposed to anything that can be considered as high risk. And then somebody from security would be calling up the doctor whom they are visiting to confirm that he has called he has called them specifically into the OPD or wherever for a visit before moving forwards. Now, it it all sounds very. I mean, whether it's excessive precautions, yeah. yeah. Theoretically, but, it sounds that it has. There are certain things that are being planned behind it. Right? Yeah. Correct. So all of that is basically to make sure that not only we are so so the the, the thought process behind it is that say for example we don't want a parent bringing in a child with a cough, cold, runny nose who might be having coronavirus at the same time as somebody else who's coming in with just maybe a little bit of a. a injury or a cut or something. So obviously Mm. the first patient who has got a cough, who's got a runny nose, maybe a bit of fever or body ache, that will flag up a lot of red flags to make us concerned. Whereas Mm. the person coming in with a unfortunate cut injury obviously needs attention, but we don't want these two patients to come into close proximity to each other. Right. And that's the reason we have set it so that the whole thing goes through, that the patients would be calling us directly and they would be checked at multiple levels to make sure that these two groups of patients, somebody who's potentially infected and somebody whom we know is definitely not infected, don't come into at all any contact. So you can ask me, so what happens that somebody calls me up and says that, Child's having fever for five days, got a headache, got a body ache, a runny nose, cough, all of which symptoms you and I both know are huge red flags for us to start thinking of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Where would we see them? 
So what's happening is that all of these patients are not taken into the general hospital outpatient ward or into the general hospital doctor uh, hospital doctors clinics but mm. they are straight away from the gate of the hospital are directed straight away towards a completely separate area in accident and emergency where they are checked up they are properly examined and mm. we try and see what's happening to them and if needs be again testing for coronavirus can be done there and treatment initiated straight away so to answer your question specifically even though it's worrying i think if you need to come into the hospital speak to your doctor and if he advises go for it because he has your best interest at heart okay so the next step we wanted to know is that we as parents we are constantly living in fear and uncertainty for our children not just about corona but also post lockdown when the children would want to go out this they already want True. We aren't sure how easy would it be to believe that things can be possible. How do you address this as a pediatrician? That's quite a difficult question, isn't it? And I'm not sure I can how I can answer that. I Frankly, mean, this is a question for which probably nobody has the answers, no, and we don't know whom to ask and what to do. True. I mean, if, to be honest, all I can say is that don't trust all the WhatsApp forwards that comes to you. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest to the your best source of information right now would be the official government health warnings and figures mm-hmm. uh the indian council of medical research guidelines that comes through and they're all freely available on the net or the latest who guidelines is what we can really go by mm-hmm. i completely understand your concerns and i understand it because we are faced with a situation that none of us has ever faced before and if i'm being very very honest and i'm sure if you're following the news as well that there's been a lot of accusations that possibly even the biggest medical organization in the world the world health organization may also have been caught off guard on the same question and it's possible that they were also a little bit late to react to the whole situation as it was unfolding what can i say we are in a brave new world we are all in it together we sure will find out true so you know uh something that i am at a loss about is that i i just don't know how to comprehend this online consultation thing if mm-hmm. a child has an issue how practical is this online consultation i mean can you as a doctor do a proper investigation for my child i mean my child is 7 he is going on to be 8 so this particular bracket a particular age when the child can express but right. then they are not so so much trained or so much evolved that they can say each and everything this the way it is true true how does that you know, uh I'll answer that in a slightly different manner i mean uh, uh incidentally this morning i was in the middle of a medical kind of conference a webinar with almost 150 uh, of my colleagues from around the world mm-hmm. and we actually touched upon the whole telemedicine concept that we have all actually kind of like been forced to adopt mm. and 
to be honest, it was always there even before coronavirus came. But basically, we all ignored it because mm-hmm. we all felt that nothing can take the place of a consultation sitting across the table, seeing your patient face to face. And uh, one of my colleagues from uh, at uh, uh, this is New York uh, hospital, he mm-hmm. kind of said that, you know what, telemedicine has been a revelation for us all. It kind of taught us that possibly there's a lot we can do without actually needing to be in front of the patient face to face. And that has been my experience as well as a pediatrician. Because what happens if I were to break it down, a lot of the diagnosis as a pediatrician that I do, and possibly many of my other colleagues does as well, is actually involves talking to the parents, Mm. talking to the mother, talking to the father. Mm. Because let's be honest, they have been with the child 24-7. They know the child much better than me. They know what their child is going through. And... Very honestly, in more than 60 to 70 percent of cases, we probably can make a diagnosis by chatting to parents and going over the entire history, going over whatever's going on. So are we doing it? Yes, we are doing it. And again, we are learning a little bit as well. So how do we do it? So what we have done is that we have set up what we call is video consulting. Mm -hmm. So either Skype or any other uh, similar video consultation software Mm -hmm. and uh, we set up a video and we talk about the patient about what's happening they talk about the children we do have a look at the child which is just through the camera obviously we cannot actually examine the child but what it does it tells us whether a child is sick or not Mm -hmm. and that we can do very easily by just looking at a child and that's a that's a skill that we all possibly have learned over the years of being a doctor. You pick, you're a doctor long enough, you know how to pick up a sick mm-hmm. child. We call it, a, you know, when a child is sick by just looking at him from the end of the bed without putting a finger on the child. And we do that. Sure so if, so if, I, if I look at a child on, on a video and I have to look at him and say, hold on, this is not an appropriate case for me to do a video consult. Then we say straight away, do you know what? I don't like the way your son is looking or your daughter is looking right now. Give him medicines X, Y, Z. But please, this is the time that you actually need to come and meet me in clinic urgently. Mm-hmm. And that happens. So, so they are complementary to each other. But what it does, it cuts down on the unnecessary bits of travel that parents have to do. And... Mm-hmm. You ask me what's going to happen in the future. I think we are all going to learn how to use telemedicine a lot more because it will be saving time for our patients. It will stop disruptions in our patients' lives because if we can manage to provide the same level of service by using our time more effectively, using our patients' times more effectively, that's what we'll have to do from here on. It can be done when we are all learning it. You know, while I was listening to you, one question came to me, which is a little different from what we are discussing. Please. And that is the relationship with a doctor uh, mm-hmm. is 
is majorly on the trust that Correct. can have on right and especially Correct. with a pediatrician this it's about my child my world right correct absolutely so do you think that that will that trust across with a with a system brand will new platform because unless and until I mean, when we are in direct touch i remember that when we would go with our child to you there were it was not just about you prescribing and my child taking it and healing correct, right correct, there was a correct. lot uh, there was a lot of mental peace that you put us into with the correct. conversation with talking about the cases and stuff like that correct. how do you see that uh, replicating in this kind I, of a virtual i would be very honest with you and say that i would find that to be quite difficult in this brave new world of online consultation because i mean honestly uh, I, i'm still a very much a traditional kind of a doctor a traditional person mm. uh, to put that into context out rather pick up a book <laughs> printed book on paper and read it rather than try and pick it up on kindle in a very similar way if you are trying to replicate that with an online consultant online consultation that may not come through uh if it's a doctor that you know and you trust and you kind of take up an online consult with him that probably would still be there mm. or if it's like a super specialty very highly specialized consultation where you want to talk to somebody who's at the other end of the globe and who can take a decision depending upon investigations that you can share and a history you can talk that's probably will work but the very uh, kind of intangible doctor patient relationship mm-hmm. that builds up over years really which comes really from face to face interaction and uh, it's not just words is it it's a very intangible yeah. <laughs> it's not transactional it's not about i paying your fees you are correct a prescription no. doesn't end no it's it no it's not done. correct so i think that would be it uh, would be very hard pressed to replicate that on an online consultation platform in fact i think it will be near nigh impossible for that to happen i think we'll always need face to face meeting we'll always need a personal consultation a personal chat talking when you can talk you can sit across somebody and then you know whether you can trust this person with my child's life so as to say okay coming back to the discussion that there are times when we understand yeah. that both physically and mentally we need to develop the immunity of children and there could right. be compromise on that mm. so corona has got us inside home all at home yeah never how will that immunity grow in that case uh to be honest i'm hoping this whole lockdown would not last for a very long time right now it's more important to protect our immunity by not getting infected mm. now hopefully hopefully i would hope that within the next few months we would know much more about the virus we would know much more about how our body bodies actually develops immunity to it and we would be better prepared mm. now the question that you asked is that um, and again i remember we say I, i kind of say this quite often that please make sure that the 
kids go out and they they are they should not be kind of wrapped in bubble wrap and protected too much mm-hmm. because that's how you need to let them run free and develop their immunity mm-hmm. i think that will happen because the lockdown i can't see it being lasting months to months really we will be out there and they will pick up their immunity again but if i kind of narrow it down and take you into very specifics kind of like specifics of immunity most of our immunity as children we develop over the first 2 to 3 years of our lives the most of it happens in the first 2 years So the first year of our lives as kids as infants is when the children's immunity possibly are at their lowest by the time they they hit their first birthday they are more or less prepared to take on the world so as to speak and by the time they are in their third birthday their immunity is pretty much strong so beyond that it's not a major concern Okay. Um I'll give you a very simple example. You you'd remember you have a son who's now 7. You might remember that for the first year you have really protected him. You've kept him at at home really. He was not going out. Yes. He started to go out when he was a year old, year and a half, and that's when he started getting lots of coughs and colds, runny noses, mm. bouts of diarrhea, and that would have continued for the next 3 years till he's about 3 and a half to 4 years. Mm-hmm. and then he would not be getting those anymore yes so for the first correct so for the first 3 years you'd be visiting your doctor quite often with various ailments but mm-hmm. once he had his third birthday certainly by its fourth birthday you would be seeing your doctor a lot less mm-hmm. because by that time he would not be having that many infections because his immunity is intact he's got he's developed that immunity so that will always be there so not to worry it's there mm-hmm. when the whole the lockdown lifts then the kids come out gradually and they'll be fine not to worry that is quite quite a farmer you know <laughs> dr sen the last question given sure. that we're in the midst of this digital explosion corona mm. adding up on top of that children are increasingly engaging with video games and virtual learning and stuff like that my son plays cricket on mobile uh-huh. <laughs> don't you think this human interaction increasingly getting replaced might affect the emotional and sensitive growth of a child as a father and as a doctor how do you reflect on this oh i have a huge level of concern about that i mean even before this uh, i remember even even having conversations to you about it i mean even looking at our current generation of kids growing up i worry that they are so dependent they are so kind of like absolutely they they are addicted to all their electronic media it worries me it seems that they are either on their ipads or laptops or mobile phone games and i worry about human interaction quite a lot mm. and yes i completely share your concerns that now they are even more they are more forced to find ways to entertain themselves and quite possibly that's a lot of uh, electronic media that's taken the part in fact even digital learning mm. we we really are beggars at the moment we can't be choosers so we have to accept that they have to the teaching has to go on online in classrooms which many schools many universities have reverted to we have to accept that they can't yeah 
uh, you have to accept that the kids can go out to play with their friends. So which means that they meet their friends online and that's how they maintain their social sanity. But uh, I would certainly share the concerns that I don't know how all of that would have an impact on all of the human interaction, which may be affected. All I can hope for is as things get better, which it will, it will definitely get better, we would be going back to normality. And that would be the time where you and me as parents would have to kind of wean them off their addiction to various digital platforms and get them back into the human world. (laughs) (laughs) This is a time when it is, uh, nature is expecting us to redefine normal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, a lot of people were saying that, uh, look, I'll tell you a very funny thing. Uh, We've seen that there there is two. I just want to touch upon uh, uh, one topic, if I may, very briefly. Uh, One is that we have over the last two to three weeks, we have seen initially less people coming in being very sick which kind of surprised us because we thought that, you know what, we should still see the same number of, you know, like acute appendicitis or strokes, etc. But that has been a lot less. Mm. And we are still kind of struggling with the whole concept. Why is this happening? Is there really a reason why the normal illnesses are not showing themselves? We actually don't know whether it's a fact that people are staying at home so they are not getting infections that could explain malaria or typhoid and maybe there's no stress so people are getting less heart attacks and now the third and the fourth week we're seeing something which which actually has started to worry me a little bit which is that i've seen now that sometimes a parents or relatives are hiding symptoms from their doctors because they're worried or they are actually staying at home till it becomes maybe at times a little bit too late before they finally decide to see their doctor. So so very quickly, uh, just to say that if there's something wrong with your family, with your child, do kind of like take a consult with your doctor earlier rather than later, even if it's an online platform. But uh, coming back, what's going to happen in the future? You know, your guess is as good as mine. And I think all of us can hope that things gets better. The virus gets defeated. We find a cure. We find a vaccine. It comes, it cannot come soon enough, really. But uh, till that time, we'll be here. Till the time we train ourselves and our children to embrace whatever comes our way. Because we don't have a choice. (laughs) Because we really don't have a choice. Thank you so much, Dr. Sen. That was really nice of you to come for this discussion. It's a pleasure, Carl. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much. Dear listeners, please do reach out to us with your thoughts on hello at icafepodcasts.com. If there is something significant that you have to share, which benefits our audience, we will invite you to speak on our show. Bradishwar Diaries is brought to you by iCafe Podcast. Please subscribe to www.icafepodcasts.com or hear us on all other audio apps. Stay tuned with us. We are brewing this on iCafe Podcast.